Okay, so we're going to continue. We're actually going to finish chapter 2 today. So the first part of chapter 2, if you remember last week, we looked at the whole issue of uh, salvation, the reality of salvation, okay? And he talked about how before we were dead in trespasses and sin. We were spiritually dead. We were walking the walking dead because we were dead because of our sins and we were influenced by three influences. Anybody remember what those three influences are? If you need help, look at verses 1, 2, and 3. It'll tell you real quick. We were led by what? Verses, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. I'll help you. The first one is the world, okay? By the course of this world. Second one is by the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? Satan. And the third one is yourself, yes, okay? And do we still battle those three influences today? Yes, we talked about that. But before, that's what guided you. Okay, you were guided by those three things. So when you meet people, I need you to understand, people aren't just going to gravitate towards doing the right thing in our world if they don't know Christ. They are influenced by three factors. Whatever the world is doing, whatever Satan is tempting them with or lying to them about, and then whatever their own desires are wanting. And that's, you, you understand that, Okay. So we talked about that. We talked about salvation, about it being by faith, alone, through grace, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And we talked about that we are his workmanship, right? His work of art. Now we're going to get to verse 11 through 22. And he's going to talk about now that you and I are a part of a new community. You and I are a part of something new. And we're going to see why we're a part of something new. Because according to the old covenant, well, let's take a look at it. You're going to probably be surprised, okay? According to the old covenant, we weren't doing too well. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to focus, first of all, on our past condition as Gentiles. All right? I think everybody here is a Gentile, right? Okay, you should recognize that you are a Gentile. Now, what is a Gentile? That means you're not Jewish, okay? Everybody else is a Gentile, all right. So look with me at verses 11 through 13. Here's what Paul writes. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in our world. But now Christ, but now in Christ, you who were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All right, so let's talk about, we're going to talk about our past condition as a people. All right, so we're going to move from in the first part, as individuals, we're moving to a people now, okay? So let's talk about that. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Paul called his readers to remember their past condition as unbelieving Gentiles. You are a believing Gentile now. But before that, you were an unbelieving Gentile, 
All right, so he's going to call you to remember your situation, whether you realize it or not. He wants you to remember, realize what your situation was as a unbelieving Gentile. Now, you, that is you and I, they were called uncircumcision by those who were circumcised, the Jews. So right off the bat, the Jews would refer to us as uncircumcised, okay? Uncircumcised. That's what they view you as because when, and, and their perspective is, is they're talking about the covenant. You're not a child of the covenant. They are the circumcised, meaning they're the children of the covenant. The phrase made by, made in hands by flesh uh, were, refers to the covenantal requirement of the law. So remember, when a, child, a male child was born after so many days, he was to be what? Circumcised. That started all the way back with Abraham. And it was that they were now children of the covenant, okay? And it was a point of pride with the Jews as to what day. You know, so Paul, circumcised on the eighth day. You know what I'm saying? So it was a significant thing to be circumcised on a specific day at the right time. Now, he's going to go further because you're like, okay, yeah, so I understand in my past condition, George... I wasn't a Jew. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, I can remember that. I can recall that even right now. I'm not a Jew. Yeah, but he's going to go a little bit further, and he's going to point out some things that I find actually that a lot of us aren't aware of, just simply because of the way we talk about it. Okay, so here's the first one. He says this in verse 12. That at the time, you were without Christ. Now you say, okay, yeah, I didn't have Jesus in my heart. Yeah, I was without Christ. That's not what he's talking about. When he talks about you and I being without Christ, what he's saying is this. Gentiles had no claim on the Messiah or Christ. So the promises of the Messiah... In the Old Testament, you didn't have any claim on that. You had no claim on it. Do you understand? So you were without Christ, period. It's not that he just wasn't in your life. You, before you were saved, you had no claim to him. So I want you to think about people in your life, people around you, people that you interact with, your neighbors, people you work with, people you see at Walmart, if they're Gentiles and they're not saved, they have no claim to Jesus. Who were the only ones who had claim to the Messiah? The Jews, yes. Okay, the Jews. So you and I had no claim. Now he's going to make it a little bit more specific in telling us what all this means. So, Gentiles were aliens from the nation Israel. When he talks about the commonwealth, he's talking about the nation, okay? They were aliens. Now, you understand what an alien is, right? It's not you got pointy, a pointy thing from Mars or something. You remember? It's what? You are a citizen, okay? 
You had no claim to anything with Israel. You were aliens, all right? Next thing. Gentiles were strangers to the promises of the covenants, meaning they had no part in them. So all of the promises, anything that had to do with anything at all from the Old Testament that was being promised from Abraham through David, through the prophets, for any of them, you and I had no claim to. No hope of anything. Now, that blows people's minds because they think, wow, that, is that possible? Yes. Now, let's stop for a moment. Some of you are like, I, I can ask some questions. Like, how did we get there? What do you mean we had no claim? Somebody asked some questions. What are you thinking? You, it, that seems almost kind of bothersome to think that, but this is where we were. Okay, so anybody need me to help them to understand? Yes, okay. So, how do you pray for a non sinner if they don't have no claim to Christ? You just pray, pray for God to open their eyes? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, you have to. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're, I, when I pray for my loved ones to get saved, yeah, they have no claim, but I know that if they understood him and they grasped who he is and they reach out to him in faith, then that all changes. And we're going to see that here in a moment. It's going to change. But right now in their current condition, they're going to hell. They have nothing to cling to. Did you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing about them that is of any special whatever with God. Okay? So, yeah, I, I pray for their eyes to be open. I pray for them to understand. I pray for them to see their need in Christ. I pray for all of those things. Okay? Anybody else with a question? Gene, you seem perplexed. Okay, so when you talk about, when you say they, you mean people who don't, who weren't Jews. Right. Okay, it would be the same thing as people today who don't know Jesus. If you and I were to go to, okay, well, we don't even have to go around the world. We can just go into a lot of different households right here, right now. If we wake them up out of bed, you know, it is Sunday, I get to sleep in, you know what I'm saying? And, and we talk to them. They have no concern for God, no whatever about God, whatever, do you, you know what I'm saying? And they may even believe in a God, but really it, that doesn't mean anything to them. It doesn't matter to them. Do, do you understand? It's the same thing around the world. If I were to go to India and meet a Hindu, that, you're Jesus? What? Well, who's that? You know what I'm saying? Or go to an atheist country like, like China or, or something. You know, who's that? What do they care? I, I don't think it really matters to them. But what Paul's doing here is, is he's wanting you to, he's trying to lay a foundation so that you understand what's going on right now for you as a believer. Well, it's, it, it, you'll see that it has changed when you come to Christ. Oh, the, the world's the same. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, let, let's settle one thing here. Jesus... So, Because we've talked about choice earlier in chapter 1. Jesus doesn't choose people to go to hell. Does everybody understand that? Why do people go to hell? 
Now, they chose what? To do their own thing versus they rejected God. Not just Jesus. They rejected everything because Romans tells us that he gives them the light of their conscience to know that there's a God. They can look at creation and know that there's a God. Those are different lights. And, and the Gentiles are, are condemned because they reject those things. We then go along and say, we, we realize that if somebody is uh, able to hear of Jesus, rejecting that then is a thing that sends them to hell. So people don't show up before the judgment seat of throne and saying, I shouldn't be here. No, no, everybody's going to hell because they chose to go to hell. They rejected God. That's the bottom line. Now, God in his grace, in the Old Testament, reached out to one guy. And from that guy, Abraham, came what? The Jewish nation through his grandson, you know, Jacob. And then God, through the Messiah... Bringing, to bring salvation to also included who? Gentiles. Do you understand? So what I want you to see is he's trying to make the case for you and I to understand we had nothing as Gentiles. Nothing. But Christ is our everything. So here's what he says. Gentiles had no hope and were without God in the world. No hope. That's becoming a prevalent attitude in our, in our society now. Like, live for today, because if you don't have tomorrow, that's the end. There's no hope. You know what I'm saying? It's over. It's done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there is no peace anymore. Yes. Yeah. So, because they have no hope. Okay? So, that's the point that he's making there. So, but then here's the point that he wants to bring to you and I, okay? Because you can look at that and you can say, man, that is so, <clears throat> that is so depressing, George. That is so depressing to read that. Well, here's what he's pointing out to you and I. <clears throat> In verse 13, while we were once far off, we were brought near in Christ by his blood or sacrifice. That's salvation. So while we were off, he brought us near. That's grace, right? And remember we talked about this last week, that he loved us while I was still a sinner? It wasn't like I was doing something to gain his love. He loved me while I was still a sinner. So here he is, God, in his great love, Yes, I had no claim. I have nothing legally or whatever to say this is mine. No, he says, by the blood, that is the sacrifice of Jesus, he brought us near. Okay? So that's what he's saying here. Our past condition, which is where we're at. So let's talk about our present condition. That's what he's saying. While we were now, we're near to Christ. Okay? We're near to Christ. So... Here's what he's going to point out then in verses 14 through 18. He's going to talk about Christ's work. Here is some things that Jesus did now, okay? Some things that Jesus did. First of all, Jesus Christ is the peace between Jews and Gentiles. Look with me at verse 14. We're going to read verse 14 through 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is, the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as, he, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. And through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. All right, so let's talk about what he's doing here. So first of all, he is the peace. Now, does everybody recognize that there is a natural animosity between Jews and Gentiles? Everybody recognize that? All you got to do is turn on your news. And I'm not just talking about the Middle East conflict that's going on in, in, in Israel today or in Gaza or whatever. All you got to do is look at people's attitudes here in the U.S. or even in Europe or whatever. People just have a natural bent of animosity towards who? Jews. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's a natural thing. We want to blame them for everything. You know what I'm saying? And they want to blame us for everything. Why is that? There's this natural animosity, okay? There's this natural disagreement. Well, Jesus Christ is the peace between Jews and Gentiles. Jesus Christ broke down the wall of separation or hostility between the Jews and Gentiles. He broke down the wall. Now, I think it's interesting. If you go to the book of Acts and you go to the salvation of Cornelius. Remember Cornelius in the book of Acts? He was the Roman centurion who had a vision, who told him to go get Peter. And of course, he brought Peter up and uh, Peter led them to the Lord. When Peter goes back to Jerusalem, he's being confronted by the other Jewish Christians there. What did I hear? You're in a Gentile house and what are you doing? And, you, and, you know, and then when Peter told him the story about how he shared and that the Spirit of God came, he didn't even pray for them to get the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came and saved them. They had to change their attitude because their attitude before was, is what are you doing with those people? Where did that come from? It's that natural animosity. But now they accepted those people. Why? Jesus. Salvation. Do you understand? Salvation. So Christ broke down that wall of separation, can also be translated hostility, between them. Do you understand? And I think we understand that. So like if I'm hostile, let's say right now Rob is really hostile with me because of the taste of the coffee, okay? And uh, his hostility towards me, there, we like to say, oh, there's this wall between us, right? There's this barrier. Well, because he's hostile. And somehow I've got to chip away at that wall. And the only way he tells me I could chip away at that wall is get 8 o'clock coffee, okay? So, all right. So my, my point is, that's the point he's making here. He, Jesus, broke down that wall, all right? Broke down that wall. Now, why did he break down that wall? Because he's doing several things here. So through his death... Jesus abolished the enmity that came through the law. 
So he abolished the problem that came through the law. Why? Because we didn't keep the law, and the Jews kept the law. And because they kept the law, they had an attitude towards us, and we had an attitude towards them because they keep the law. Do you, do you understand? So he's removed that enmity. Yes. 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 That's exactly right. They weren't wanting to change. They wanted to stick with their system. Do you understand? So, okay. So, Jesus did that so that he could create a new man from the two that results in peace. So what he's saying here is he's creating a new man. So there's neither just Gentile or Jew, there's a new man. Now you can call that, some, path, some scholars will say, the Christian. Okay, if you want to call it that. Follower of Jesus, whatever. The point is, it's no longer based on our identity as Gentiles or Jews, we are now one and a new person. Do you understand? It's easier just to say Christian, okay? Now, now it was easier back then. It's not so easy to use that term now. Why? Because the Jews claim that Christians are Gentiles. When this was being written, the church was primarily what? Jews, okay? But the point is, is that he's creating something new. Okay, something new from the two. It's not either one or the other. It's this new thing, a follower of Jesus. Okay, now, through the cross, Jesus reconciles them in one body, which puts the enmity to death. So he reconciles us into one body. This is why we say the church. Because we're all in one universal body, right? Represented in local congregations. We're all in his body, Jew and Gentile. Okay? Jew and Gentile. Jesus came to preach peace to those who were afar off, that's you and I, and to those who were near. Those who were near are what? The Jews. So he came to preach to both. Okay? To preach the message of salvation to both of us, both groups. Now, through Jesus, here's the blessing. Both groups have access to the Father through the Holy Spirit. Now, remember before, did we have any hope in God? No. Did we have any hope? Did we have any claim on the Messiah? No. But now, through Jesus, we have what? Peace. And now you and I have access to who? God through who? The Holy Spirit. In fact, that brings up this passage of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It's because of Jesus. You and I can go boldly. Have you thought about that? Or do you kind of go, it's me, God. It's me. I'm sorry, can you hear me? No, you can walk in. Do you know what I'm saying? You can walk in because your, your 
basis for being there is not based upon what you've done or haven't done. It's based upon what Jesus did for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's based upon Christ. And you have access to him through who, folks? The Holy Spirit. So you can go talk to him and seek grace in the time and help in the time of our need, right? All right, so let's look at verses 19 to 22. He's going to explain to us now that we're a, a holy temple, okay? A holy temple. And when we talk about temple here, I'm not talking about this building, okay? Look with me at verses 19 to 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. All right, so let's take a look here. We're gonna, this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. We're going to talk about this whole issue of a holy temple. So first thing I want you to see here is Gentile believers are no longer strangers and foreigners, but citizens. You are a citizen and family members. We're a part of the household of God. You, in other places, Paul talks about we're adopted. In, in, in Romans, he talks about in chapters 9 through 11, he talks about Jesus being the root and the olive tree. We were the wild olive branches that were grafted into the olive tree. The cultivated branches are the Jews. Now we, the Gentiles, have been grafted in. Do you, do you understand? So you're no longer a stranger. You are a citizen. You are someone special, okay? You are someone awesome. And the reality is, it was not just that, we're children of God, all of us, okay? Because before we weren't, now we are. So anybody had a question though? This is a good place to stop for a question. Anybody had a comment, question? Okay. It's because of the issue of the Messiah. It's Jesus Christ, yes. And it's because they're blind to who their Messiah is. Now, does anybody know when they'll realize when he is their Messiah? Anybody know? When will they come to their senses and realize that he is the Messiah? Right before the second coming. Right when the Antichrist will almost destroy them, okay? In the, at the end of the tribulation, the Antichrist will almost destroy them and they will cry out to their Messiah who will what? Come and uh, rescue them, the second coming, okay? So right now they're blinded, okay? So <clears throat> the household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and New Testament prophets. It's not talking about Old Testament prophets here. 
It's talking about New Testament prophets. You were built on the foundation of the apostles' teaching. And the new, you say, what New Testament prophets are you talking about? Well, you just need to look in your Bible. James was not an apostle. That was the brother of Christ. He was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. He was a, a New Testament prophet. Jude, a New Testament prophet. The writer of Hebrews, whoever that might be, a New Testament prophet. Luke, who wrote one of the Gospels, as well as the book of Acts, New Testament prophet. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So this is what our foundation is. Our foundation is built on the foundation of the apostles and the New Testament prophets. And the chief cornerstone of this foundation is Jesus Christ himself. He's the chief cornerstone. On him, everything else is built. Okay? On him, everything else is built. So now, here's where he's going to get into. Okay, you ready? In Christ, the household being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Each one of us are, what were you saying, Rob? Now, we're, not, we're temples, but we're being fitted together to make a one temple, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a temple yourself, he says that in other letters, but he's talking about our community here. We're being fitted together. Each one of us with our, with our quirkiness and our, and our different gifts and stuff, we're all important because we're all important to the body because without each one of us, the body wouldn't be good, but we're all the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit inhabits all of us. And when we come together, we sense his presence in the midst of all of us. That's where we sense his presence, folks, is in the midst of all of us. Coming together, okay? Coming together. Now, here's what Peter says. You, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is not something new Paul is presenting to us. You are part of something special. And so believers are being built together as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Okay? We're a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Next week, he's going to expand that further, and he's going to talk about it being a mystery, that Christ has revealed a mystery to us. Okay? You guys like mysteries? I love mysteries. You know what I'm saying? I like to watch mysteries, try to figure out who did it. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is not a crime to solve, but something that was hidden in the Old Testament that's now revealed now through Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about next week.